Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in and for, of course, your prayers and for sharing the podcast on social media. Can't wait to dive into a new book today. We're going to be talking about Final Battle. It's by author David Horowitz and uh, talking about the next election could be the last. A very provocative title. Uh, Mary and I have been talking about the book before we got on the air this morning. So David Horowitz is the founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center and the best-selling author of several books. Uh, by the way, we want to mention Front Page Magazine as well, a resource that I've used for probably 15, 20 years. But uh, some of the books, Radical Son, uh, The Black Book of the American Left, Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America. And today we'll be talking about the brand new book, Final Battle. Uh, David Horowitz, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Well, thank you for having me. All right, since we had you on last, uh, we have a lot of uh, different listeners, new listeners that didn't get to hear your story. And before we dive into some of the bullet points on the book, which is they're very important to cover, we want to talk about your background because you had quite the radical transformation. So, uh, Mayor, go, give the, the first question. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, David, your insights on the radical left are, are hard won, I guess you could say. And as a hard left activist yourself in the 60s, you wrote and spoke on the political vision of the new left, uh, became an organizer of one of the very first campus demonstrations against the Vietnam War. You became part of Black Panther Huey Newton's inner circle. But at some point, uh, you began to reject liberal political theory and progressive academics. You reached a point of voting for Ronald Reagan in 1984. So you went from a theorist and apologist for the left to actually to its worst enemy. And I want to ask you, what did that process look like? Was there a specific uh, event or set of circumstances that caused you to leave behind that uh, promised, uh, quote-unquote, 60s and 70s leftist utopia? What happened? Well, I was brought up by communists, card-carrying. My, my parents were communists. Mm-hmm. They were nice people if you didn't cross them politically, <laughs> and they were not so nice. Um, but but the, And they were very law-abiding, actually. Um, but they were part of a movement. Um, they saw themselves as a, a secret army to take over the United States and turn it into the Soviet Union. Wow. Uh, I was present at the creation of the New Left. I edited its largest magazine, Ramparts. Um, And when I was fundraising for Ramparts, I was um, called up Shirley Sutherland on the advice of other leftists. Shirley was the wife of Donald Sutherland, the actor. Um, And she directed me to a Hollywood sponsor of the Black Panther Party, um, and so I became involved, and, and he introduced me to Huey Newton. Wow. Um, and I, I was pretty blind. I, I raised a lot of money and bought a Baptist church that had been overtaken by uh, Oakland's inner city. It was an all-white all Baptist church. But it, it 
was now a, an island in a sea of of uh, non-white um, people who were anyway didn't couldn't serve parishioners, um, <clears throat> and uh, I believed our propaganda, so I thought that the racist government would shut the Panthers down. They shut down the school. We turned it into a school that had 35 classrooms. Um, if we didn't, you know, weren't squeaky clean, and the Panthers couldn't come up with a bookkeeper, so I recruited my bookkeeper at Rampart. And in December 1974, Betty disappeared. Uh, she left the bar with a, a black gentleman whom she knew, apparently. And uh, by the time the police fished her body out of San Francisco Bay, mm -hmm. I knew the Panthers had killed her. Wow. Um, and... Uh, huh. I, I was. I had four children at the time, so it was pretty hairy. Mm. But also, I, I was totally depressed uh, for seven years. I because everything that I had believed had led me to this point of recruiting her mm. for these people whom I didn't really understand were gangsters. Um, today, today the Democrat Party acts like gangsters. Yeah, mm -hmm. but. These were well. These were serious gangsters, uh -huh. um, and uh, that was the time. The same time, the United States was forced to withdraw its support for the Vietnamese who weren't communists, um, and uh, when they withdrew from when we withdrew from Vietnam. The communists proceeded to slaughter two and a half million Indo-Chinese peasants. Mm. Um, they killed everybody in Cambodia with glasses because they would ha have bad ideas from the past. It's just, you know, it, it's a, Marxism, communism is really a parallel. To, it's a crypto religion and a, and a, a parallel faith to. Uh, Judeo-Christian, mainly Christian, though, tradition that the world is a fallen place. Mm. Uh, and it, there's going to be a redemption. The, the difference is that Christians understand um, that the problems of the world are created by us. There's no such thing as society. Uh, society is just a reflection of who we are as human beings and we're dangerous, which is why there's an angel with a flaming sword at the gates of Eden to keep us from returning. And the only way the world could be redeemed would be through a divine intervention. Human beings only make a worse mess mm -hmm. if they have the power. So all of that, I spent seven years sort of rethinking everything. I, I saw that the left was incapable of recognizing its crimes, whereas mm -hmm. the, the right, you know, I, I always think of J. Edgar Hoover, who, who was an American hero until uh, information came out about things that he did. 
And now nobody apparently remembers Diego Hoover. And I thought, well, given human propensity to uh, evil, um, that's the best we can hope for. Mm -hmm. So I became a conservative. Um, I don't know, is that sufficient? No, I found that that's the, good. That's yeah. good, because now yeah, we can uh, move excellent. on and, and, and get to your book. But we, uh, Reno, before we jump into the book, Final Battle... Um, and it's, it's, you talk a lot about the elections and the process and how the Democrats, you know, they, they want to obviously uh, buy people's votes and use, they are very corrupt in their methods, but the media doesn't report on it, of course. We'll get to that in a minute. But you mentioned Kamala Harris. Or, I mean, you mentioned Oakland, California. I've got a question about Kamala Harris that um, uh, recently in an interview, this is astounding, but she, she apparently doesn't see China as an adversary, she sees China more like competition, uh, not as someone we would be in conflict with. And I, I know you have a lot of uh, well, you know, background on her. A shallow, shallow, empty-headed human being. <laughs> she's the stupidest, most incompetent vice president we've ever had. On purpose, though, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. You, you know, the interesting thing is she rose to prominence in California by being the mistress of Willie Brown, who, mm -hmm. who was a, actually brilliant. He was a Democrat, but he was a brilliant at politics, and he ran the, the government, really, uh, the legislature in California for decades. And she was his mistress. He was married. Um, and that's how she rose to be the attorney general for the state of California. Uh, but when she, when when she was kicked uh, um, to be Biden's running mate, uh, Willie Brown publicly said, urged her not to take the job. I guess knowing that she was an empty suit, mm -hmm. I think the Democrats are going to take care of her along with Biden. Yeah, they're albatrosses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although the whole administration, if you hated. Black and brown and um, people and gay people, gay people, you would, and you wanted to demonstrate that the, the, they were racially in, inferior. Uh, you would pick people like uh, Karim Jean Pierre, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mayorkas, uh, Buttigieg. I mean, th these people are. What can you say about them? And that many lives have been lost because of the incompetence, just the sheer incompetence of this administration. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. agreed. And the, but the Democrats, I've written several books, and this is the last one I'm going to do on this subject, mm -hmm. about the Democrats' goal, which is to establish a one-party state. Yes. Mm -hmm. And turn the economy uh, over to the government um, and demonize all of its opponents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it began with the attacks on Trump, a lifelong liberal he was, uh, until he decided, uh, until he got the nomination of the Republican Party. Then he became a white nationalist and white... No, nobody ever referred to Trump. As a white nationalist. Exactly. Until he ran against the Democrats. And the purpose of that was to demonize 
Republican voters. Yep. Uh, and they, they've done it quite effectively. The Democrat Party is a party of fear and hate. Mm-hmm. The Republicans are going to take away your Social Security and <laughs> Medicare. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Republicans are racist. Uh, and you, you could go on and on like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just... I I feel we're in the last, well, in the first stages of a fascist regime. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. There's no other way to describe it. Yes, yeah. and we, we agree, David. Um, we want to jump into your book. Mary has a fascinating story of what a woman said to her when she was at the store buying your book, and I'll have yeah. her share that with you. You know, I, I normally just buy books online because, well, that's the way of the world, right? Online, so right. I didn't have the book, and I thought, I'm going to go to the local big box store, and I'm going to pick <laughs> up that book, and it was there's hardly anyone there. But I went to pick up the book, and there was a gal at the checkout, uh, the clerk. She was probably in her 70s, and I, she looked it over, and she looked at uh, the subtitle, The Next Election Could Be the Last, and she looked at me with all seriousness. I mean, the lights were on, and she said, Do you think that could be true? And I was so taken aback because usually I don't I don't come across a lot of conservatives necessarily in the marketplace <laughs> who would want to engage me on this, but I just looked at her with all seriousness, and I said, you know, I really hope not, but I think it could be because I know, David, you say America now faces a crisis that many compare to the onset of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So we are in a battle for sure. And if, the, you know, you say in one of your um, articles here, if the left really wanted a better world, why is it so indifferent to the terrible consequences of its own ideas and practices? Yeah, I mean, they killed 100 million people. Mm-hmm. 20th century progressives in Russia and China did. And nobody ever held, nobody on the left ever held socialism responsible. Mm. Yet every socialist state is a tyrannical, yes. uh, totalitarian state. And they want to remake human beings. Right. You can't, you, you can't make a utopia out of people who are, well, what did Job say? He said, man is born to evil as the sparks mm-hmm. fly upward. Mm-hmm. It's just in, in our nature. I mean, I, I think Genesis is really the wisest book that's been written about our condition. Uh, um, the, we, we had a paradise. Was better than socialism, mm. than even the fantasies of the socialism. <laughs> um, you didn't die, you didn't have pain in childbirth, and so forth. Uh, and, but there was one condition, which was that you, you couldn't want to know and do evil. And that that condition, of course, Adam and Eve, they were seduced by the serpent to a Satan who said to them, if you eat of this tree, you shall be as God. And that's the problem with the left. They think they're little gods. Mm-hmm. Yes. They can manipulate people. When you think of what Biden has done with the southern border, uh, you know, he destroyed our, our borders illegally and unconstitutionally he doesn't he's not a legislator he's an he's the head of the executive branch so 
So he doesn't have the authority even to change the immigration laws. But if you don't enforce them, that's <laughs> that's the same as changing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, tens of thousands of people are going to die. They're already dying because of, of this, just the fentanyl crisis. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we have a president. And anyway, the... I mean, I could just go on and on about this administration. Mm-hmm. Well, let's. But let's, but the ele- you know, just to, uh, the election issue. Yes. The Democrats have been trying or uh, honing their ability to steal elections for you know decades now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can just see it in Arizona, where they stole the election from Carrie Lake. Mm-hmm. How did they do it? Well, over. Um, 20-year period, they've erased Election Day so that it's still, uh, you know, uh, formally it's the first Tuesday in November. But in point of fact, the Democrats have changed the election laws so that in Arizona, for example, you can vote in September, October, and November. Uh, And the Democrats have a tremendous ground army because yep. they have all these issue-oriented groups save the planet and other nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get all their people out to vote in advance of Election Day. Yes. Whereas Republicans, like well-meaning lemmings, want to preserve Election Day, so they all vote on Election Day. Mm-hmm. So in Maricopa County, which is the big population county of Arizona, on Election Day, 60% of the voting machines didn't work. And the whole voting process was, of course, controlled by the Democrats. That doesn't happen by accident. No. I I, I I think that it's pretty easy to prove that the Democrats both uh, are trying to cheat at elections every election. And, su- and succeeding and violating our election laws and changing them into their opposite. For example, voter ID, mm-hmm. uh, which they, uh, of course, everything's racist that they don't like. Right. They call it Jim Crow 2.0 mm-hmm. and other nonsense mm-hmm. because minorities are voting in record numbers in states that have got voter IDs. Um, so, David, what but, about what about mail-in ballots? And do you think that COVID same thing with mail-in yep. ballots? And not yep. only that, there was a, a commission, uh, the Carter Baker bipartisan commission, which in two thousand five tried to fix the election laws to make uh, cheating more difficult. Mm-hmm. And their first two recommendations were increase the laws requiring voting IDs and don't uh, use unsolicited paper ballots because they they make cheating easy. But but the Democrats uh, will go to the wall to make cheating easy in elections. Mm -hmm. They want everybody to look. They're trying to get non-citizens to vote. Mm -hmm. 
It's just ridiculous. Well, and David, your chapter on Elections Matter, you have some great chapters here, and what I love about the book is it's very concise. And if you want, um, Dennis Prager says, um, it's one of the most devastating book-length indictments of the Democratic Party yet written. And these chapters, uh, especially Election Matter, talk about Pennsylvania and how the Democrats went in to change the rules, filed lawsuits, yep. went around the, the legislature in Pennsylvania. You have Then you follow it, insurrection and impeachment, inauguration. This is such a concise book, but tell us a little bit about Pennsylvania and how that really turned the tide. Yes. Well, the Constitution, in the Constitution, it says that the state legislatures are supposed to make the voting rules. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Pennsylvania, the state legislature is controlled by Republicans, so the Democrats went uh, in and got the uh, process changed so that the state Supreme Court made the election rules. Well, guess who Mm. controlled the state Supreme Court? Democrats. Um, And I I forget, I think it's 11 days before the election, they removed the voting ID requirement. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially with all those unsolicited paper ballots, mail ballots. Um, and they did that in, you know, all the, well, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't, I don't want to weigh, weigh the audience down with details that are in the book. <laughs> but, but you just have to think, he, here's, when I say it could be the last, I'm looking at the mentality of the Democrat Party as mm-hmm. displayed by their actions. Yep. And uh, January 2nd, four days before the infamous January 6th, which was a relatively peaceful protest compared to all the left-wing protests the year before. Exactly. Um, uh, That January 2nd was the anniversary of Trump's order, uh, which was carried out on that date to kill General Soleimani, the world's leading terrorist. The Democrats criticized him, uh, Trump, saying it was provocative. Uh, um, the Iranians took a different view, and they, mm-hmm. Rouhani, the head of their Mullah Council, or whatever it is, uh, issued a statement saying Trump will not only be removed from office, he had lost the rigged election of 2020, but he will be removed from life. We cannot forgive the killing of General Soleimani. Um, so, of course, the White House security apparatus scrambles, and it should have been to protect the president, uh, one would think, wouldn't one? Um, but the head of the security apparatus is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley. And General, uh, he's also the military advisor to the president. So he's the guy in charge of Trump's security. He went around, and this has been reported in a book written by Trump haters at the Washington Post. Um, He went around Washington to these security meetings saying Trump was Hitler. Um, And they stopped the steel speech was the gospel of the Fuhrer, uh, and that Trump supporters were 
um, the guys we fought in World War II, they're Nazis. Those are direct quotes. Uh, I haven't seen anybody. Uh, I mean, it's, it's in a book that was pretty popular with praise. Millie's actions were praised by Anderson Cooper and the fake media. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a mentality like that, because that's treason. That's what that is. Yes. We, our Constitution puts civilians in command. Trump was the commander in chief. Mm-hmm. And Millie has supported it. Uh, and to, well, it's treason. That's what it is. Nobody's mentioned it. I, I, I don't understand Republicans. They're so lame. Mm-hmm. She was so polite. Mm-hmm. Too so unwilling, mm-hmm. unwilling to embarrass their enemies. Well, and they are, they're always redefining words because when when Trump questioned the election, Pelosi said, you know, we have to start impeachment proceedings because that was treason to even question the election. So they can just reinvent words. They can just make things mean what they want to mean. So, well, yeah, because yes. they, the Democrats have gone into the well of the House to demand uh, the removal of the electors because they were illegitimately uh, put in place and every and challenged the legitimacy of every election that republic presidential election that Republicans have won since 1980. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the leaders in 2017 challenging Trump's election as illegitimate was Jamie Raskin, whose father was a new leftist, Hmm. uh, pro-Soviet new leftist. That's where our country is now. Mm -hmm. The left has taken over the Democrat Mm -hmm. Party. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And David, we've said many times on this podcast, what we're seeing now being implemented by our government is communist policy. But few want to actually call it out. And you say the American people must know what the left are really up to before it's too late. Because if we sit back and do nothing, America as a democracy and a free society will perish at the hand of progressives. So, David, talk to our listeners and give them encouragement on how they can help raise awareness about this. Yeah, the first thing is stop sanitizing our language. Mm -hmm. The Democrats have no compunction about calling Republicans murderers. Yep. Biden accused Trump of killing every COVID patient Mm -hmm. on his watch. Mm -hmm. Um, Calling Republicans racists, traitors, insurrectionists, and so forth. While Republicans call them liberals. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Here's, here's the way, for example, uh, these classified document issues should be talked about. And there's no comparison between what Biden did and what Trump and Pence did, but particularly Trump. The Biden family has made itself filthy rich by taking bribes from foreign powers. And in particular, chief among them, Chinese communists who want to destroy us. Joe Biden, I mean, why aren't, 
why isn't there a congressional committee to investigate Joe Biden? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we have a president who's bought and paid for. Yep, sure do. By our enemies. So if we're in that situation and we have people like General Billy in charge of our military, mm-hmm. um, we're in terrible shape. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the positive, positive things, one is Trump's rallies. Uh, when I came into the right over 40 years ago, looked around, and the first thing I said was, where's the ground army? Mm. Uh, my ex-comrades on the left had all these organizations to intimidate and harass CEOs of corporations, threatening them with boycotts for being racist if they didn't adopt the left's party line. And if you want to know why the corporate America is... Um, censoring conservatives the way it is and canceling them. Um, that's the reason they, are, they, they were intimidated into this posture mm. by the ground army. But there was none on the, on the right. Um, you know, with the possible exception uh, of Operation Rescue. But until the tea, the tea Party, you know, if three conservatives were marching together, they'd look at each other and say, what are we, collectivists? Mm. That's all changed. Mm-hmm. Trump mm-hmm. has created the first mass conservative movement in the history of the country. Wow. So, friends, we need you to get active and raise awareness and get involved. And we thank you, David Horowitz. The book is Final Battle. The next election could be the last. Uh, God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for the wonderful work you've done through the years. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So David Horowitz, uh, founder of the Freedom Center and Front Page Magazine, you've got to go check that out. But again, the book is called Final Battle. We didn't get a chance, obviously, to ask him all the questions mm-hmm. we wanted to. It was just mm-hmm. uh, such a blessing to have him for the short time that we did. And we wanted to follow up and talk about some of the bullet points that he made in the book and um, just how he said, for example, um, there now exists an existential threat to American democracy greater than any our nation has ever faced. And when you hear those words, Mayor, existential threat, you can, can't help but think of the left, the globalists, the socialists, the Marxists, and the Democrat Party saying climate change. Mm-hmm. The environment, that's the existential threat that we're all supposed to be fighting. So divert your attention over here, the straw man, right? So Horowitz is trying to get people focused back on what the problem really is, and that is corruption. And I like also that he said Republicans, conservatives, and I will say Christians also um, rarely just confront evil and call it what it is. We don't use that terminology. We're too kind. We're too mm-hmm. nice. We always give people the benefit of the doubt. Your thoughts? Well, what's the what's the phrase that says, you know, if we don't understand history, we're condemned to repeat it. And I, his story is so unique and, and valuable because his parents, as he said, were card-carrying communists. Mm-hmm. And this would have been during the 20s, uh, 1920s. Joseph Stalin was in power. And I was looking up 
um, the thing that really turned them around was they heard Nikita Khrushchev gave a, a speech in private about who Stalin really was, and it rattled them to the core because this was someone they looked up to. I looked up how many people he killed. Let's let's be honest about this, even though it's 100 years ago. After taking power in the 20s, Stalin killed at least 9 million people through mass murder, forced labor, and famine, but the mm-hmm. true figure may be as high as 60 million. Okay, think about that for a second. Now we have uh, David Horowitz. Uh, it's dawning on him after the communist victory in Vietnam in 1975, the North Vietnamese were executing tens of thousands of South Vietnamese, putting them in re-education camps. Um, this is where we got the refugees and the boat people and the Hmong people in our country. A lot of people don't know that. Then he says in Cambodia, the victory of the communists led to the slaughter of some three million peasants. Hmm. Um, during the 13 years of this of, of the war. Uh, then he says, as the Indo-Chinese tragedy unfolded, he was struck again by how the left refused to hold itself accountable for the result it had fought so hard for, in this case, a communist victory. They didn't care about the suffering of the people. Um, and so David became increasingly convinced, as I said earlier, if the left really wanted a better world, a utopia... Why was it so indifferent to the terrible consequences of its own ideas and practices? There is no utopia with the left. We got the no. vaccine is killing. We, we we may never know how many people are dying from that. No. And uh, and all their, everything they do is just a death culture. And we've talked about this on the show before. So how long do we have to wait? Then you had Hitler and his eugenicist policies, which actually were inherited from the Western view. Six million well, Jews. Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger. Yeah. It is death from beginning to end, and we have to be an abortion. How many millions of babies, David? Uh, well, since Roe v. Wade, in the 65 million since 1973. But remember, going back to the 1920s and 30s, Margaret Sanger was very active in getting that, quote, birth control, which right. is what was, which is really murder, population control movement going, eugenicist. Mm-hmm. Um, she was getting that going in the 20s and 30s. She inspired some of Adolf Hitler's top, Correct. you know, psychiatrists and eugenicists that worked for him. So we have to remember that we looked down our noses at Hitler. But back to the book, and by the way, you mentioned the vaccine, we'll never know. Well, a low estimate, 2.4 million people have been uh, reporting vaccine adverse events since, you know, mm-hmm. what, what was it, the end of uh, 2020, early mm-hmm. 2021, over 2.4 million now. And there's deaths and, and people, the media doesn't even talk about this. And by the way, I need to follow up on one point real quick off topic. Damar Hamlin was interviewed recently, and he was asked about what the doctors said, about what happened, what caused his collapse on the field, and I, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting him. He, he said, well, I just, just don't really want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So he did DeMar Hamlin. As much as I think that's a miracle what happened, what they kept him alive, the Bills um, medical staff there, his heart stopped. They got it going again on the field when he collapsed. No one wants to talk about why, what happened, and, and actually give it. Is there any information that could benefit the public as far as what happened to him? So let's move on, Merritt. So just some of the bullet points and we can go wherever we want here. Um, he talks about in the book, this is David Horowitz's final battle. He said, he, t- he talks about the real story of January 6th, why the Capitol Police were so unprepared. He talked about the, the Democrats using the mere act of challenging a vote as treason. How Biden's Department of Education bribed schools to continue to push an anti-American curriculum 
critical race theory, racism, the 1619 Project. And this is interesting, the Green New Deal. Is that about clean energy? No. He says uh, it's about abolishing the oil and gas industry and 5 million jobs, closing clean energy nuclear power plants. And also, he talked about how Nancy Pelosi took control of the messaging and the media to fool the American people about, quote, misinformation. And we've talked a lot about that on this podcast. And also the fact that Biden spent over $15 trillion on post-COVID stimulus spending, and that has sparked massive inflation. So, Mayor, any of those bullet points or new ones, touch on a few things, your takeaways from the book, and we'll move on. Well, um, in the chapter on inauguration, uh, it talks about uh, Biden's pledges and speech of how he wants to unite America, and I remember rolling my eyes at that and thinking, they, they are incapable of that, of course, and it's the opposite of their goal, which is complete divisiveness. It also talks about um, one of the first things Biden did was to have the United States rejoin the World Health Organization, which is owned and run by China, mm. from which Trump had withdrawn and restore much of the nearly $500 million in funding that Trump had cut off. He also uh, discusses the 1776 commission that Trump had instituted to make sure that our history was taught uh, in a manner consistent with the actual founding of our nation. Mm. Um, but then what did what did they do? Mm. Uh, the New York Times then releases the 1619 Project as to, to cancel. He canceled the 1776 Commission as soon as he was in office, uh, Biden, um, so that we could just pick up where the left left off, only exponentially worse and more mm. dangerous. We are at such a... A critical juncture in this country. I, I, if, and if I could have some time with this gal at Barnes and Noble, I would probably say um, the next election could be the last. Well, well, let's talk about that because he uh, he had a lot to get to, and he didn't really comment on that. I thought that was fascinating. If you just tuned into the podcast um, when Mary went out to buy the book Final Battle, she was at the bookstore, and the woman who checked out. Uh, uh, when she was in the, the line there, she looked at the title and the subtitle of the book, the title, Final Battle. The subtitle is, The Next Election Could Be the Last. And the woman looked at Mary and said, do you think that could really happen? Or do you think that's true? However she worded it, mm-hmm. I'm saying maybe 75% of Americans are in that place where they haven't been really keeping up with these things. They don't understand the corrupt nature of our, unfortunately, the the election system and how we we do voting and uh, what we have allowed to happen, mm-hmm. especially in the last three years since COVID. But I think a lot of people don't, they, they still think that, well, uh, that this is America. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got to stop being naive. What, right. your, your thoughts on that? Right, and and that is absolutely true. Americans are very naive about a lot of things, and, um, and that, that's one reason I was looking at some of these statistics of the left's death you know, trail of death, because the last century was the most violent and deadly in in the history of America. Mm-hmm. The two world wars, influenza, which for all we know was was in a petri dish as well. Um, and so I just think... Speaking of a trail of death, abortion, uh, yes, the abortion movement. All those things. Go and ahead. we are headed for more. And we're headed for a global government and uh, a time unlike the world has ever seen. And a uh, the Bible describes this last dictator and world government is the most brutal in history. Um, and we can certainly see um, leading up to that that we are headed towards that. Mm. Uh, um, and if the Lord tarries, yes. we're going to see a lot more. Hopefully we're going home soon. 
He writes an article, uh, David Horowitz does, called The Stench of Fascism. That just came out a couple weeks ago um, over at Front Page Mag. He said, The stench of fascism and betrayal is suffocating our democracy, but nobody wants to talk about it. And remember he talked about calling evil what it is. We, I don't know why we have a problem with doing that, mm-hmm. exposing evil, confronting godlessness and wickedness, yeah. especially when they're taking many of our children captive. Well, he said, the indisputable brute fact is this. Our commander-in-chief and his family have made themselves wealthy by taking bribes from foreign powers, chief among them our mortal enemy communist China, and nobody seems to be mm-hmm. asking about this. Of course, we know the Hunter Biden laptop story got got suppressed, and um, he... Anyway, go ahead and talk about that article as well. But this is, uh, we're going to put this in the podcast blog at standupforthetruth.com. Very short, but to the point article on the stench of fascism. Okay. Here's another thing to think about. Um, this is from Front Page Magazine. So this is uh, one reason I like to talk about head in the sand. This is very interesting. <laughs> this is by Wayne Allen Root uh, from yesterday. It, and it says, do you accept a 35% higher chance of dying today? What? Now that should catch your <laughs> your attention right out of, the, out of the gate here. But it says, this story is truly incredible and shocking. But then again, I see dozens of shocking stories every week about the data around the world regarding the COVID vaccine. They're eye-opening and they're frightening. Uh, They all suggest that millions have died and many more are sick and dying as I write this. So here's more statistics, David. Listen to this. A recent poll showed that 25% of Americans believe that they know someone who has died from the COVID-19 jab. The real shocker is then that 75% of Americans are living in denial with their heads in the sand, or maybe they're just watching CNN. But here, here, <laughs> here it comes. It says that. And it's not just older, it's not older Americans who are dying in record numbers. These are 18 to 16 year, uh, 18 to 64 year old Americans in the workforce, all of them forced to take the jab to keep their jobs. Mm. He says, um, uh, an insurance analyst, uh, determined there's a 7% increase in death for each time you take the jab. In other words, your wow. odds of dropping dead suddenly go up 7% if you take one. They go up 14% after the second jab, 21% after the third, 28% after the fourth, and 35% if you get another dose, and on and on again. Mm. Using this model, once you get to jab number 10, your odds of dying would rise by 70%. How are, are those deadly enough odds for you? Um, he says it's accelerating. It's getting worse over time. Um, uh, no one knows how bad it's going to get. But then there are also uh, 10 times more injuries and serious adverse reactions. I mean, the numbers are coming in here. It's, he said it, he likens it to playing a game of Russian roulette. Each time you pull the trigger, your odds of dying go up by 7%. Wow. Would you pull the trigger if you knew that? Well, it's so, shocking. I mean, I, I'm thankful that... Um, People that I know uh, that maybe were vaccinated or whatever were forced to for different reasons. Um, I don't know anyone who close to me who had a heart attack or um, died suddenly. Like we're hearing so many stories, even about young people, healthy people, mm-hmm. athletes. Now, I will say um, my wife and I have been going through an ordeal for the last year and a half. And a lot of you know about that story and you can follow the the page it's on facebook called rosanna's journey um uh, we concluded that because of the timing of her symptoms neurologically her cognitive impairment her short-term memory loss and basic basic inability to um 
process simple tasks and do simple things, like even look at a calendar, follow a to-do list, uh, you know, do too many buttons on the washing machine. You know, she's not able to do that. So people know about that. And so we were going to do a podcast on that Monday. We're not going to do that. Um, I was going to bring her in, just talk to her, uh, have her share her heart. And I thought, you know, th- it might not go in the right uh, direction. Mm-hmm. If it could get too emotional for us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'd have to take off my journalist hat and yeah. um, it would be hard to do that. So we're going to talk about other things on Monday. But the fact is that this has been happening and Mayor, I want to ask you about the media because that's going to be the next um, subject here. The media has covered this up like a big old wet blanket. And a lot of people don't understand, A, that they're doing that. And if they do understand that the media has covered for the globalists and, you know, they've been pro-vaccine and all this – they don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Do you see that to be accurate? Yeah, definitely. And, and we always have to remember who owns the media. I mean, when I know it, it's always been a bit leftist. Even Walker, Walter Cronkite had his, you yeah. know, leftist. Left, yeah. They they all have, um, but objectivity is out the window. Critical thinking is out the window. And I I remember being on social media at the time when people were saying, "I'm not going to wear the mask. I'm not going to get the jab," and being insulted in way, you know, you're killing your grandma. You're, I, the people virtue responding, the virtue right? signaling was just mind-boggling. And mm. people were responding in such hateful terms. And what I heard them say was, I refuse to do my own homework on it. I refuse to look into it, and you're stupid. That's what I heard. They and, couldn't defend it logically or scientifically. Right. And, yes, and since the media is owned by the left, it's yes. not surprising. But people, please do your homework. There are so many good doctors out there. Uh, there's Peter McCullough, Dr. Malone, there are, uh, yeah. Judy Mikovits. There are so many knowledgeable, brilliant people out there. And uh, if you can't find them on YouTube, find them somewhere else because they will help you understand what's going on. Yes, um, and w- that's one of the topics that really gets me going. I mean, media bias and abortion. I mean, those two issues are, yeah. I get very yeah. passionate about because media bias is lies. Mm-hmm. The f- who's the father of lies? Satan, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Um in my book, Eradicate, I wrote a chapter about the media. And at that time, this uh, I was going through surveys from the 1980s that were, were media, elite media representatives from, I don't know, the major, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, the, the major ones that were around at that time, the late 80s, early 90s. They were saying, the media was responding to these surveys on the various issues. At that time, over 60% favored socialism or those type of policies that were, were very liberal. Um, a maj- overwhelming majority favored abortion. Um, they were, at that time, it was only, at, in the 80s, it was only 75% of the media were pro-LGBTQ uh, or same-sex marriage at that time. In the 80s, mm-hmm. 75%. So the media, the, the bottom line, I'll, I'll save you the reading. Overwhelmingly, they have an anti-Christian worldview. So they are against biblical morality, and they will cover up anything that would try to, the truth, if truth would try to come to the surface, they will try to keep it down as much as possible. Now, that takes us to this new survey that confirms the American mistrust in media, and I will say rightly so. I thank God 
for many things that happened in the last three, four years. The wake-up call I think a lot of churches had during yeah. during COVID when the government deemed us, the church in America, mm-hmm. non-essential. And I also like to just thank God for things that President Trump did, although I don't – anyway, let's just talk about one thing he did. He called the media what it is, fake news, mm-hmm. and he was raked over the coals mm-hmm. for it, but he is right. So this new survey, uh, exploring the, the impact of media – revealed half of American respondents believe national news organizations intend, not by mistake or not not having all the facts, they are purposely misleading or misinforming the public. That's about half of Americans. So they do not trust the news media. Now, I will say it should be about 85% of Americans. You shouldn't trust what the media puts out. But anyway, this is very interesting. Now, nearly 80% of Republicans have unfavorable views of American media. And it, it goes on. But just mm-hmm. these, I mean, the surveys mm-hmm. don't surprise me, but they continue to come out. And I'm going, well, for those of us who were looking into this and in the 1980s, you know, the, the media and how it has progressed or declined, I should say, mm-hmm. when it, if you really look at what their job is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not surprised. Well, and we used to be able to have healthy discourse in this country. And so, so say Lyndon Johnson, you didn't like Lyndon Johnson, and I did not. LBJ. I was pretty young. I didn't like LBJ. Johnson Amendment. Well, and he, and he was the <laughs> one who gave us the welfare state. And, and so. The great uh, society. The great society. And so maybe you didn't like him, but you could talk about it. And four years later, there'd be another election and you could say, well, we'll get the other guy. And now, it's not just hearing the leftists, it's censoring anybody that doesn't agree. And I didn't see that coming That's necessarily. It is quite a shift, and it's, it's an additional burden um, on society when you think about, well, okay, so so-and-so is left and they have these comments. My parents would ag- disagree or agree with the president in, who was in charge, and we had that healthy thing. My brother was a mega-liberal. He lived in Madison. I mean, you can connect of the dots, course. of course. But to be censored and to understand that pastors can't be on YouTube anymore, they have to find somewhere else to, to preach in case they say the wrong thing, that's a new level of wickedness. Mm. And so is there, a, I mean, a level beyond that of Christians obviously being censored? And that sort of thing uh, on a regular basis. We so, may not be able to preach the gospel pretty soon. Well, many of us know who were censored or shadow yes, banned or absolutely. suppressed. And yes. we've had a lot of ministry partners that have been on this podcast, guests who have had their YouTube channels deleted. Right. And their their voice on social media, which should be a free speech platform, taken down. Mm-hmm. So we've seen it happen, friends. Again, we're not saying we're surprised by any of this. Right. We're trying to raise awareness, A, that it's happening, B, how to respond. And be realistic of what you're seeing. There's a lot of wickedness out there. Let's not just, uh, you know, soften it up and airbrush it, but let's call it for what it is. So Jesus said to the most religious and educated leaders of his day uh, about them, he said, you will know them by their fruit. Mm -hmm. Why do we not want to look at government representatives politicians, people that are making decisions for our country, uh, places that are taking our tax dollars, why don't we want to look at that and judge what they're doing with it? Mm -hmm. Why are we so, you know, well, that's, we know that's not, what, is it judgmental? Come on. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to do that, but we are supposed to analyze, we are supposed to be discerning. And in America, we've talked about we've got a dual citizenship. In America, we are citizens of the United States. Of course, as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. But we have a responsibility while we're here. And I'm sorry, friends, we we have not uh, done a great job 
as Christians, as conservatives, we have often taken the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. To the point, David Horowitz said the Democrats' goal was to turn the United States into a one-party state. With with the deep state, with the, the way our government's leaning left now, that's not far away. That's why he can write a book called Final Battle about this could be the last election. Um, but look at every major institution in America. Look at the education system, Mayor. Who's, who controls that? Yeah. Look at the media. Who you just who owns the media? Look at the corporation, the corporate world. Who I mean, if you can draw any parallels, look at the professional sports leagues who are influenced right. by Chinese Communist Party, NBA, and the sports, you know, they're all influenced, and they're leaning left, not even leaning. They are so far gone to the woke or social justice categories. And you've got our university system. And what else am I missing? You've got the media, you've got the government, you've got the university system, you've got the education system, you've got the corporations, and then you've got nonprofits, who many of them go by these wonderful flowery names, and they're just really outlets for the left. Mm-hmm. They're being funded by George Soros's of the world and the Bill Gates and other people mm-hmm. pushing environmentalism, all these other things. My point is they are anti-Christian, and I can't help but go back to Antonio Gramsci and the prison notebooks, who one of his famous – he's an Italian Marxist who promoted the ideas of Karl Marx and knew that America could never be taken down militarily. Mm-hmm. So he said, you've got to get America from within. How do you do that? You've got to capture the culture, cultural Marxism. Gramsci said, you've, it's gonna, it has to be, and this was in the late 1800s, I believe, it's got to be a long, progressive march through the major institutions in America in order to break down the walls of Christianity mm-hmm. over the generations. Mm-hmm. And look at what they have been able to accomplish. Well, and more and more we see as believers, our only hope is the kingdom to come. Because when you, when you put it, when you frame it that way and you see that it has been successful, we've gotten to the point now where we, we will watch social media or whatever. And sometimes you just think, is there, can we do anything? You know, I think a lot of people feel helpless because it's a, it's a huge machine. It's Mm -hmm. a freight train. Um, that is, is, is ever going forward. Yep. And, and we do live in the times of the signs of Jesus' return. And, and, uh, I really feel that circle the wagons and, and preach the gospel and, 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 um, you know, call out evil and protect people yeah. as much as we can. Like we do for the vax, we call out and we try and save lives if we can. But yes. then uh, the Bible also says that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one in, in John. We're seeing that, um, aren't we? So yes, we certainly are seeing that. Yep. And uh, so there is hope, yep. uh, but not in this world. Yes. Um, but David was uh, just a wonderful guest. Yeah, and, it was a um, blessing he's to... He's a treasure. Yeah, the history there yeah. mm-hmm. in his background. But remember, friends, do not conform to the world's ways, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind Romans twelve two, Romans twelve twenty one. Do not be overcome by evil. Mm-hmm. Overcome evil by good. Ephesians five eleven. Do not participate in the deeds, worldly deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. Shine light in the darkness. We are to be the light of the world. Jesus said, "You Christians, disciples of mine, you are the light of the world." And uh, that's our job. Mm-hmm. Preach the gospel, make mm-hmm. disciples, shine light in the darkness, mm-hmm. confront evil. Hopefully, we'll uh, continue to do the work until he takes us home. So uh, stay strong, friends. Tomorrow, Mayor is going to be talking with Pastor Chris Quintana. Also, um, we're going backwards now. At the end of the month, we've got T.A. McMahon coming back on with us. Heidi St. John, Jonathan Brentner, Pastor John Pinnell. We're doing a show on uh, Freemasonry. 
And Natasha Crane next Tuesday. Mm. Looking forward to talking with apologist and author Natasha Crane. Mayor, thanks. Uh, This has been a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Friends, God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.